welcome every single one of you to Refuge Church Online this evening. If you are a guest, I know that there are so many different options to tune into all kinds of different things. So the fact you're here, we're really grateful. So please feel free to like, follow our page. I know that sounds like an advertisement, but we just don't want you to miss as we go live with other uh, upcoming sermons and events. And, and if you're a guest and you're really not sure about Refuge Church, feel free. I know that we can't see each other right now. You can see me. I can't see you. Um, but inbox us right here on Facebook, um, or you can email the church at info, I-N-F-O, at refugechurchonline.com. And we will get whatever information that you're looking for. We will serve you in any way that we possibly can. And, uh, of course, our welcome our Refuge members, not only our guests. If you are a member of Refuge Church, we welcome you. Don't forget, we have uh, our children's ministry director puts out curriculum midweek. So right now what we're doing for kids is on the weekends, uh, the organization that we're a part of, the United Pentecostal Church International, a division of the, the Pentecostal Church called Pentecostal Publishing House, PPH, does a weekly online Sunday school on Saturday mornings at 10 right now. But midweek, we still know that our kids are missing that Rock Academy, Kingdom Rock, Rock Church uh, curriculum and their teachers. And so um, we email that out. Again, if you're watching as a guest, you're saying, I want some curriculum to go through with my kids. Email the church and we will make sure that we get that sent to you right away uh, tonight. We'll get it sent to your inbox. Uh, but just there's no video for the midweek. So you're just going to open that up on your phone or print it off and go through that with your kids tonight or tomorrow morning, whenever is a convenient time for you. But before we go any further, we have something special. Now, everybody paying attention? Do we, have, do we see this lady on the screen? She is the former church secretary of Refuge Church. I hope that she's watching. If she's watching, someone comment. Sister Waller comment. Her name is Joyce Wallard. And she, this Saturday, turns 8-0, and we honor her, and we honor her wisdom, her walk with God, and I don't get to do this for everybody, but you know what? She's an elder in our church, and every person, if you don't love Sister Joyce Waller, there is something wrong with you. So praise God. So happy birthday upcoming this weekend. I wish we were here in person to honor you, Sister Waller, but we wanted to give you a shout out. On the live stream. Now, this shout out will live forever. So you'll always be able to see it. But, and then next time she sees me, she's going to say, Child, why did you do that? But before I share my message for this evening, I want to invite refuge members to worship the Lord through giving. And uh, there, we always put this slide up because this is still, even though we're not meeting in person, this is absolutely a form of worship. And there are various options for giving that are on your screen right now. Well, tonight, our vision here at Refuge Church has always been Sunday's inspiration, Wednesday's instruction, and small groups as involvement. We will continue to keep this exact same vision. A pandemic does not change our vision. We are just figuring out a, a different way to approach that vision. And so Sundays, we will continue to speak and offer inspiration. Now, Sundays, sometimes that inspiration on a Sunday is uh, inspiring you just to make it through the week or to keep the faith or the hope. Um, sometimes it's inspiring you to find a place and an altar next to your couch or to raise your hands in worship or to repent of your sins or, or to step into the waters of baptism. So there's different forms of inspiration. 
But this week, we also launched a, an online small groups. And these will continue because our small groups are for involvement. These will continue to be something where we offer involvement in one another's lives. And so I just want to thank every person who has already signed up. It's not too late to sign up, but they are open to everyone. Even if you're a guest, you're watching this, you're saying, well, I would like to do this. A weekly video discussion of biblical principles. The theme is hope for today. And, uh, but I'm so thankful that out of members of our church, that every single, almost every member, there are literally only 14 regularly attending members who have not yet signed up for a small group. I am thrilled. I, I want those last 14. If you're watching, get in here. Come on. Why are you on the outskirts? But if you are one of those people who have already signed up, thank you so much for, for getting in and responding to that vision. Um, these, and then lastly, Wednesdays, right now, this is where we offer instruction. This is why we call our Wednesday night gatherings Principles for Life. We aim to dive into the Word of God to discover and retain truths that we can apply to our lives Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, throughout the week. So that's exactly what we're going to do. This is instruction and grabbing life principles. That's what we're going to do tonight. And tonight I want to preach and teach on this topic, a recap of the journey. A recap of the journey. Would you please just pray with me right now, wherever you are, and uh, let's just pray that for me, that I can deliver this effectively and according to God's plan, but also for yourself, that you can receive what it is God has for you and your family. Jesus, we love you so very much, and God, we're thankful that... Lord, that you have, you don't just gather in one facility, that right now, that wherever someone's watching, they are watching, and your presence is there, that your power is with every single individual and every single family member. Lord, I just thank you for that. Speak through me, and then in the name of Jesus, I ask, amen. Well, this past Sunday, if you were able to tune, if you, if you weren't, you won't be lost, but I did reference two important stories in Israelite history, where God asked his people to stay at home. Now, if you missed that message, you can tune into the archived service on Refuge Facebook page, YouTube channel, but those links, and you, and you should see that on your screen, um, all those links are available on, on refugechurchonline.com. But in those two stories I referenced on Sundays, on Sunday, there were two key moments where God was leading his people toward their promised land. God used Moses to deliver his people out of the land of Egypt, 430 years of bondage. And then Moses leads them out of Egypt into this desert place, and Joshua kind of takes it from there. Moses dies, Joshua takes over, and he leads the Israelites on many military conquests, and they just defeat one nation after another nation after another nation as they head into their promised land. And Joshua, now he's at the end of his life. And Moses, he's been dead and gone. Joshua's there. It's now time for him to pass on. They have already in inherited their promise. And Joshua is now looking around. And in the 22nd chapter of Joshua, it records the beginning of Joshua's bidding farewell to the people of Israel. And in the very last chapter of the book of Joshua, the 24th chapter, Joshua starts his last known address to the people. 
and he begins to give them a recap of hundreds of years of history. So I just got to pause. I love to do this. I love the interaction. Even when I'm preaching and everyone's here, which nobody really is right now, but when everyone's here, I like to look out in the audience and ask for questions and get interaction. Well, I don't get to do that right now very much, so I'm still interacting with you. If you could, I go back and I read these posts and I see what people say just because uh, it's not for my ego. I, I mean, that's nice. I want you to say, hey, nice suit tonight. You look nice. You spoke well. That's fine. But that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for something where I can see you're interacting, you're thinking. So I'm going to be talking about history. Who here likes history? If you're watching and you like history, give a comment. I like to know who likes history. Throw that up there. And, I, and just because I like to know the audience, I want to have fun too. If you could go back to one moment, not, not a time period, one moment, one moment in history, what would that be? Just one single moment in history, what would that be? Comment. Feel free. Throw it on YouTube. Throw it on Facebook. We, we want to see, and we can see what one another were. We can still interact and learn about one another, even here via virtual online service. So I'm giving you a chance to think about that and comment. I wonder how many people, though, back in Joshua's time, were actually even paying attention. As Joshua starts off this discourse, and he starts, hey, now listen up. I'm getting ready to, to pass on, and Let's talk about how Abraham was called out of the land where his pagan family was. And, and I'm just wondering how many parents were like, Shh, Johnny, Billy, Sue, get over here. Pay attention. And maybe chasing kids around and, and, and parents are sitting. I wonder how many people were just kind of maybe whispering next to somebody. Hey, just, this guy's talking about all this history. Half of it you already know. And, and I wonder how many people were even paying attention, kind of like some of you in history, in college or university or high school. If you didn't like history, you probably were like, oh, man, I slept through most of it. Many people already knew these stories, were their minds in other places. If they were, then they missed an important principle for life because Joshua begins to give a recap of the journey. I know this is a longer passage, but we're going to put it on your screen to help you follow along. But I want you to see the exact words of Joshua. I don't want to summarize them. I want you to see them. And I want you to notice a pattern. So tell me if you pick up a pattern in this passage that I'm about to read. I'm going to make it easy for you too. Joshua 24, 2, it says, Joshua said to the people, and I'm reading the New Living Translation just because it's easier to understand, and it says, this is what he said. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel said. So he's not speaking for himself. He's saying this is God's language. This is what God said. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River, and they worshiped other gods. See, Abraham was a part of a pagan family. But notice what he says in verse 3. He says, but, but I took, I took your ancestor Abraham from the land of the Euphrates, led him through the land of Canaan. Next one, it says, I gave him many descendants through Isaac. To Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau, I gave the mountains of Sire. And while Jacob and his children were down in Egypt, then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I brought terrible plagues on Egypt, and afterward, I brought you out as free people. 
See a pattern here? But when your ancestors arrived at the Red Sea, the Egyptians after you with chariots and charioteers, when your ancestors cried out to the Lord, what does it say? I put darkness between you and the Egyptians. I brought the sea crashing down on the Egyptians, drowning them. With your very own eyes, you saw what I did. Then you lived in the wilderness for many years. Finally, I brought you into the land of the Amorites on the east side of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I destroyed them before. I gave you victory over them. I know you're getting the picture, but this is what he's saying. You're following along with this. And he says, and you took possession of their land. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, started a war against Israel. He summoned Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to him. Instead, I made Balaam bless you. And I rescued you from Balak. When you crossed the river Jordan, the Jordan River, and came to Jericho, the men of Jericho fought against you, and as did the Amorites, the Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, Jebusites. Go ahead. Just pause right there and say that as fast as you can to your family. Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, Jebusites. See, that's tougher than you think. But it says, but I gave you victory... Over them. And I sent terror ahead of you to drive out the two kings of the Amorites. It wasn't your swords or your bows that brought you victory. I gave you land you hadn't worked on. And I gave you towns you didn't build. The towns you're now living, I gave you the vineyards. And olive grows for food. Even though you didn't plant them. Wow. 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 Do you hear this? Pretty sure that God wanted them to know, I alone am the one. I did it. It was not, oh, with all due respect, it was not Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua. Those were mighty leaders. They were called for a purpose. But in the end, it was God who did all of it. It was God who won the battles. It was God who got the victory. It was God who allotted the promises. We forget that sometimes when we read about the Israelites and the promised land. Somehow, oh, they earned this, and this tribe got that, and this tribe got that, and they earned this, and they, they deserved that. No, 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 no. This was all a gift from God because when we understand that he was the one who blessed them for the, for the obedience, he was the one that won the battle. He was the one that, that, that took care of it, and that he was the one that had the authority to allot it. But notice something here. Very important. Joshua recaps the entire journey. Again, hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, what were you thinking? What were the Israelites thinking if they're trying to corral their kids and listen, and, and all of a sudden he just starts talking? Well, let's go all the way back to when God called Abraham. Out of his land of his family. I mean, that, that I could just imagine your faces on a Sunday morning. We say, we're going to look through the word of God. Let's start at the book of Genesis. Some of you would be like, is he for real right now? But no, he recaps the whole journey from the initial calling. Abraham responded to God and God changed the entire life. His, not only his life. But the lives of all of his future family members, 
that's awesome. Just like you and I, when God called us, he didn't just change our lives. When God got a hold of you, he, and some of you got kids right next to you right now. You're, you're literally sitting on the couch with your kids next to you or playing on the floor. You know what? When God called your life, he didn't just change your life. Those little children are going to grow up knowing how to worship and respond to God. I'm going to wrap up this message just a little bit, and you're going to pray with your kids if you have them there. God, that, that is awesome. He didn't just change your life. He changed your kids' lives and grandkids, and there's something that you're establishing that will forever be in, in, your, in your lineage. But just because God got involved in our lives and God was now leading our future, that never meant that everything was now going to be perfect. If you're watching and you're saying, I want to get involved with this church because once you serve God, everything's perfect. Hey, listen, we're in isolation just like the rest of everybody else. Life is not perfect for anybody. And so, the thing is, is Joshua starts recapping their history as a journey. God called Abraham. There were promises there. And here's where we live. But now let's start to take a look to recap the journey. What took us from Abraham getting called to where we are right now. Let's begin to recap that journey. And the promise did not come right after conversion. The conversion happened. Abraham said, wow, God's called me out of this land, and boom, there I am. What, what beautiful promises. The promise didn't come right after conversion. Abraham's conversion started a journey of faith, one that put them on their path toward their promise. And if you've had a conversion experience, the New Testament lays out clearly. I would love, if, if you've never had that conversion experience, the New Testament lays that out differently than Abraham. Right now in the New Testament, you know what you can do? You can repent of your sins, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins, and then he's going to put his spirit inside you with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. That's the way he lines it out in the New Testament. But once these things have happened to you, you start on a journey of faith in pursuit of your promised land, in land that one day you will occupy. But first, there are some things that you need to conquer along the way. And that's the path that we are currently walking. Because when Abraham was called out, it was called to a promise. But you read about the kings and the people and the things that got in the way. Why? Because before we pursue, before we embrace our promise... Before we make heaven our home, there's going to be some battles that we need to win all along the way. Some things that we need to conquer. Notice that as Joshua begins to recap the history of their journey, it was not all military victories with, yeah, and then we went here, and the waters parted, and we went through on dry ground, and then we just ate the grapes. We had beautiful houses and olive presses, and man, life was good once we, it wasn't, it wasn't always that. Certainly, those were mighty acts of God along the way. But we also read about, hey, let's recap the journey. We were at one time, we were surrounded by plagues in Egypt. Enemies were pursuing us and surrounding us. 
ancestors were crying out to God in despair. We lived in the wilderness for quite some time and enemies fought against us and false prophets tried to curse us and there were more battles against nation and then the next nation and the next nation and, and we had to keep fighting. Why? Because the journey is never going to be easy. But what God was trying to emphasize through Joshua was this. If I walk with you, hear me, if I walk with you, then no plague, no enemy, no battle can overtake you if I am with you. But this did not mean that they were exempt from battle. This did not mean that they would not face opposition. This just means that God would fight their battles for them. And so he wanted his people to know, hey, based on history, you can trust your future to me. Based on precedent of everything that's happened before this moment, I want you to know that I am proven that you can follow me and you're in your promise and no matter what comes our way, no matter what goes on. And notice, he, it's not what your way, it's what what's comes our way. When, when he sent plagues to Egypt, that was not Egypt versus Israel. That was their God versus Israel's God. So God takes this thing kind of personal. He says, oh no, no, I, even I am the Lord. Beside me, there is no Savior. And that's why when he calls his people to go make disciples in the New Testament, he says, go ye therefore on the great commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. What does he say that for? He's saying it's a great commission because it's not just a mission. I'm on it with him. I've been called to walk this journey of faith, not by myself, but I know that God says, hey, if I'm in it, we will always win. Yeah, but what about the kings? It doesn't matter. Yeah, but what about the Red Sea? It doesn't matter. But what about the plagues and the pestilence? It doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, I will do whatever I need to do. I will make sure that where you are now, we will get to where I have called you to be. I never had to fear about going from point A with Abraham to point B with their promised land because God was there. And so Joshua on his deathbed, he doesn't just say, let me, I was thinking about this the other day. He says, let me tell you what God has said. And he starts to say, I gave, I led, I defeated, I destroyed, I set free, I did this, I did this. And why is God laying this on Joshua's heart to tell the people? Why? Because Joshua's getting ready to die. He's getting ready to leave. And God is trying to tell his people, it doesn't matter if it's Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, or Joshua. It was never just about the leader. It's about me having a plan and that when I walk with you, it doesn't matter if it's the Amorite, Girgashite, Hittite, Perizzite. It doesn't matter what king, what people, what plague, what pestilence, what sea. Nothing can stand against you when I walk with you. 
So what? It was Moses years earlier, before Joshua was in charge, before they ever entered that promised land. Moses gets up and says, when you go backward to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7, it says, for the Lord your God is bringing you. It didn't say he brought because they weren't in the promised land yet. But it says the Lord your God is bringing you into a land, a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush. I mean, that, that place sounds amazing. I want to go there. That was their promised land. But he says, and again, I have this long passage, but I want you to see the words. I don't want to summarize these words. It's a land of wheat and barley, grapevines and fig trees and pomegranates and olive oil and honey. It's a land where food is plentiful plentiful, and nothing is lacking. When you walk with God, it does not matter what the situation is. Nothing will be lacking when you walk with God. Now, am I talking about, yeah, so you thought about that 2020, 2021 BMW, get it? Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It's saying that there's something more that you never lack when you walk with God, that he is our provider. So that's why I don't fear. I don't fret. I don't get frustrated. I don't worry about tomorrow because that's going to take you. That has enough cares and worries for itself. But it says nothing is lacking. It's a land with iron as common as stone and coppers as abundant in the hills. When you've eaten your fill. Now this is a word to them, but I think it's also a word to us. When you've eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good he has given you. But that's the time to be careful. Beware. What in the world? Be careful. Beware. I thought you were just talking about blessing. Like we're going to land on milk and honey and there's going to be streams and there's food and there's just and nothing lacking. Why are you telling me to be careful? Beware. I've been being careful and beware. The Egyptians and what they did and where we come from. Now, I was being careful back then. But now I'm getting ready to go to this place. What are you telling me to be careful for? Beware. That you're in your plenty. You don't forget God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. This is Moses speaking. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built homes that you to live in, when your flocks and herds become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied with everything, be careful. Be careful. Don't become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you. Who rescued you? The Lord your God. Out of the land of Egypt. Do not forget. Notice. Beware. Be careful. Don't forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with poisonous stinks and scorpions where it was so hot and dry, but yet he gave you water from the rock. Even in hot, dry times, when you're in the middle of nowhere and you're not sure what you're doing or where you're going, when God is there, he can bring water from a rock. Why? Because he's the provider. He led you, fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you in your own good. He did this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved the wealth by my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power. To be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. Moses literally takes this whole time trying to warn the people when you get to that. They're not there yet. 
when you get to that land, when you're on your way to that land, when you get there, don't forget, boom, 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 boom. You're going to be blessed. You're going to have this. You're going to have this. You're gonna, beware, but you're going to have this. You're going to have, be careful, but you're going to have this. Don't forget. Over and over and over again, it's the same things. He's, he's trying to emphasize this. Don't forget. Don't, don't, don't forget. Beware. Just be careful. Just be careful. When you get there, and Joshua follows Moses' lead and essentially says almost all the same stuff. Why? Well, it's because humanity never changes. Them and us, we're similar in a lot of ways. When things are tough, humanity is asking, where's God? Where is he? And when things are great, we tend to forget God. Things are great. I built, I've, I've worked hard. I got my education. I've been working overtime. My wife, she works too. And that's how we got this. And we got that. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. That's, we've, we've worked hard for this. Things go poor. Where are you, God? Where are you? But the one who has, who remembers the recap of the journey, when they get to the dry place, they don't stop and they say, oh, you know what? It's dry and barren and not too much going on. I don't know where we're heading. But let me tell you a story. Abraham was called, and then even in the midst of slavery, plagues were sent, and even when they went into the wilderness, water was provided. And, and so I know based on everything else that's happened to this point, I don't have to worry about it. I, I don't have to worry I don't have to fret. I don't have to fear. So Moses, he recaps the journey. And he says all things. And then Joshua recaps the journey. Joshua was trying so hard as a leader to get the people to wholeheartedly submit to God. After he recaps all this history and lets them know, I'm getting ready to die, but you don't have to fear. You don't have to worry because Moses is gone, Joshua's gone, Aaron's gone, but none of that matters. God is still here. God's the one that called Abraham. God's the one that called Isaac Jacob. God's the one that walked with him. God's the one that changed Jacob's name to Israel. God's the one that delivered us. God's the one that gave us the manna. God's the one that brought the water from the rock. So if he can provide, it doesn't matter who's in charge. You keep God first. You serve him. Whatever's going on around you doesn't matter. But when God's there, you don't have to fear. And so Joshua's trying so hard to get the people to see this, to understand this, and to wholeheartedly submit to God. And he says in verse 14 of the 24th chapter of Joshua, he said, so... Fear the Lord. Serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols of your ancestors, that your ancestors worshipped, and they lived beyond the Euphrates River in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But, if you, and, and I pause there, because obviously, obviously, even in spite of everything God had did, there were people living among them, enjoying the blessings of God, traveling with them, that still had never let go of the idols of this world. Recaps it all. He says, so, 
Listen, you got to let go of the idols you served on the other side of Euphrates. It's time to serve the one true God. And then he goes into verse 15 that many people know. But I, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today. I mean, this guy's like, I'm, I'm about to die, okay? I'm done playing games. Like, I wonder, when I get older, I'll be preaching and pastoring. Maybe my preaching will change a little bit. I'm going to be like, dude, I don't got much time left, so I ain't going to sugarcoat this anymore. Don't be a knucklehead. Get to the altar and change your life. Like, you don't have time. Now I try and make it sound a little nicer. But he says, if you refuse to serve, then choose today. Today, not tomorrow. Choose today whom you're going to serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors who served at the, uh, beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites and whose lands you live? He, he's kind of getting sarcastic. Like, okay, you got them. You got these gods. I mean, like, because why? Because obviously those gods had infiltrated the camp. Or he wouldn't be addressing this. Why? The children of God, even to this day, the 21st century, we have to be careful what types of things in the world infiltrate our camps. He says, so what's it going to be? The gods of the Euphrates, the gods of the Amorites. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Obviously, serving God requires a choice. Sometimes we're waiting for this magical feeling. Like, I just, you know, I didn't really worship because I didn't feel God. I didn't really pray because I didn't feel God. I didn't really, I didn't really, I didn't really you know, make a decision about baptism. I didn't feel, I didn't feel God. I just didn't feel much. My dad always used to say, the fact is good enough till the feeling comes. If God said it, it doesn't matter what I feel. I'm going to align my life in obedience. And so when he says this, he says, choose today. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next year. He says, choose today. Obviously, living for God and serving God is a choice. It's a choice that you have to make and that I have to make. It, it, repentance talks about metneo. It's a change in thinking and mindset. And so I, we, if you're here and you're watching, you're saying, well, yeah, I'm kind of checking out li live streams. I'm checking out this. I'm checking out that. I've never really gone to a church. I've never, nobody's, nobody's knocking you, bashing you. Nobody's talking down to you or trying to be mean to you. But I'm, I'm issuing a challenge right now. Choose. What, what God are you going to serve? We're all going to serve something, self, whatever it is. But what God are you going to serve? Let me implore you by the word, choose today. Why wait another day? We certainly, truly, we don't know how much time we have left. So why wait another day? Look at the verse 23. He says, all right, then, Joshua said, destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to be Why? Because they said, we've seen God do great things. They just heard the recap. You can't argue with that. They knew that recap. And so they get ready. They say, yeah, yeah, we choose God. We're going to do it. Yeah, sounds great. And so Joshua, the leader, he knew those people well. So what does he say to him? He says, all right, then, fine. I ain't stopping there. If you're going to do it, then destroy the idols. Then there's time for some changes in your life. Why? Because a lot of churches today will preach a principle of ju uh, just believing you're saved. Listen, that principle isn't found anywhere in the Bible. 
Belief and faith are key. They're crucial. But even back then, Joshua says, oh, you choose to believe God? You choose to serve God? Now it's time to obey. Now it's time to do something about what you just said your choice is. So guess what? If you're going to believe, destroy the idols among you. Do something about what you just said. And so if you're here and you're saying, man, I don't know if I've been serving God, and I don't know if it's time, choose today. Make today, the, the Bible says in the New Testament, today's the day of salvation. Apparently, all in spite of all God did, there were a lot of people clinging to idols. So Joshua tries multiple times to address them. He's trying to get the nation to commit to God, to let go of the sinful things of the world. To see God's hand of provision in their past to get them to commit their future to him. But here's the thing as I start, just bring this around. About to close. I can relate a little bit to Joshua, and I don't like to say that much because there's, there's things they did much better than me, things they did worse than me. But I can understand this part. I know what it feels like. To want someone so bad to, to serve God. With all your heart, to see the life that they're living and know that it can be so much better with God. Joshua saw that. You got to remember, he's the guy that went with probably people, no doubt, who were his friends. Who went to scope out the promised land. And him and Caleb came back. And they're like, let's do it. Let's go right now. We got this. Before they ever inhabited, Moses is still around. And Joshua says, we can do it. Joshua and Caleb and 10 other people say, they're, they're, they're like giant. We're like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Oh, man, they're giant. They're, they're grapes clusters. It takes multiple people to carry them. I don't think we can do it. And because of that, the Lord says, that whole generation will not see the promise. They will not enter the promised land. We forget sometimes that for Joshua, that was probably a lot of his friends and family. People that he was like always dreamed about way back in Egyptian slavery. He probably dreamed about one day this moment and now they, they're going to miss out. And so you better believe when it gets to his deathbed, he knew what it looked like for people to miss out. And so he's doing everything he can. Guys. Recap of the journey. God said this. Choose you this day. I mean, you're still serving idols. If you're okay, great. You're serving God. Then do something about it. Destroy those idols. You've got to make a commitment today. But at the end of the day, you cannot legalize people into a relationship with God. In some ways, it was tried. 613 commands the law of Moses. People this day will go to churches. Well, okay, well, how should I pray? Where should I pray? When should I pray? What should I wear? How should I worship? Well, how many times do I need to go to church? Do I tithe on this or that? And, and we like to, it, 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 sometimes it gets too legalistic. Not that God doesn't have principles. Don't misunderstand me. But that I could say, all right, refuge members, I've written out the book of law. And I'm going to hand it out to everybody. And there was 613 in the Old Testament. We actually have 1,287. It's still not going to work. Because God says, when I fill you with my spirit, I'm going to write my law on your heart. And that's why God makes it so we can be spirit-led 
So when we're in tune with him, when we get the idols of this world out of our lives and we begin to pray, God starts to deal with you on things. And yes, the way you worship and dress and act and think and places you go and things you do, it's, it's, it starts to change. Why? Because God starts dealing with you. And as you get close to him, you know, you think, oh, as I get closer, I'm going to be such a better person as I get closer. No, because as you get closer to God, his light exposes things, and you see things in yourself, and not in, a, not in a way that you feel condemned all the time, but conviction and condemnation are different, and conviction is something. Condemnation puts the focus on me. Conviction puts the focus on God, and when I get close to him, I feel a conviction that says, I want my image to reflect his, and I see things about myself right now that aren't reflecting him, and so I want to change those because I love him, and I want to draw near to him, and so Joshua he, he tries almost to force, today, choose, make a choice. you got to do this. And, and it doesn't come, though, by signing your name on a dotted line. It doesn't come even by serving in ministry. It doesn't come by making a public promise like they did back then. We could gather and say, who here joins the church? Who here commits to this? I do, I do, Jesus' name. We could repeat prayers, but, you, you know, Moses couldn't make them do it, and Joshua couldn't make them do it, and no pastor on planet earth can make anybody do it today and so today I step into your homes via this virtual device and I remind you that you are on a journey and right now it might not feel like you're walking through on the Red Sea on dry ground, the Jordan River on dry ground. It might not feel like the Amorite kings are getting destroyed and you're, you're overtaking the Girgashites, the Perizzites, the Hittites, the Jebusites. You might feel like, oh, my Lord, I am in the battle of my life. Things are crazy. It's chaotic. I don't need, I'm in the middle of the desert. I don't even know where my water and my food are going to come from. Just remember, I know a story about people that served God. And when they were in the middle of nowhere and there was no food, God gave them food that hadn't even existed to that time. <laughs> and when there was no water, he said, there's a rock. Watch this. Watch this. Just watch. I just wonder if he ever looks at the angels and he's just like, man, look how stressed they are. Why are they so afraid? I mean, the pillar of fire was right there. The cloud was right there. Why? I just wonder if he's ever like, why are they so scared? And that's why he says, Joshua, here's where I want you to start. Recap the journey. Recap the whole journey. And let them remember that I'm still with them. But at the end of the day, God is still with you. No matter what's going on in your life. You're on a journey, so am I. When we look backward over our lives, we can see God's hand has been up. Even if your life isn't perfect, God's hand has been on you. You're still standing. And so I wish that I could make all of us commit to serving God today. No matter what season, no matter what's going on in the world, none of that matters as far as my level of fear and faith. Because if God has kept me in my past, he will keep me in my future. No public assembly will make you make that choice. No signature on the dotted line will change that. God has made it clear in his word 
and he will absolutely be with you on your journey. He will fight your battles for you. He will make a way when there is no way. He will never leave or forsake you. He will always be with you. He will not leave you comfortless. He will give you power from on high. But will you serve him wholeheartedly? Or will you be like some of the people that Joshua addressed who were along for the ride and the blessings and the provision, but they were still holding on to the things of this world? God's past speaks for itself. He clearly can be trusted no matter what comes his way or our way. But when God is with me, I have nothing to fear. Precedent shows me that. So today, my last statements of this this message, and I've already been going too long, my apologies. My last messages are this. Choose you this day. Choose you this day whom you will serve. I can say like Joshua in this aspect. As for me and my house, as for me and my house, I'm going to go on all the precedent, the recap of the journey. I have seen him take me through every mountaintop and valley, and I know that as I continue on this journey, I can tell you, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If that's you, I just want you right now, if you're by yourself, Feel free to raise your hand, take a knee, bow a knee, whatever you want to do. But right now, don't let this moment go past because I believe God's challenging someone. I believe that, again, he's recapping the journey. And he's, he's wanting to speak to someone right now about where you are. For some people, it's the fear you're carrying. For other people, it's the fact that you have, you have not yet completely committed to him. That there are still things in this world that you're clinging to that he's saying, destroy it, release it, let it go. Because I want to do something. I want to go on this journey with you and you not you're not completely wholeheartedly trusting him yet I, I just want you to respond right now if you could just begin to talk to him Jesus I pray right now mighty God don't just pray with your mouth closed and your eyes shut but just begin to, he wants to hear your voice he gave you that voice he, he tells us to confess our sins he tells us to confess these things he tells us to with the mouth confessions are made unto salvation begin to begin to talk right now let your kids hear you let your kids hear you pray if your kids have never heard you pray how do you expect them to learn to pray let your kids hear you right now just begin to raise your voice Jesus God help us I pray Lord there are so many things going around us but let this build faith tonight, Lord Jesus, that we know that we are walking on a journey, but every time we look at the recap, we see your hand. Every time we look at the recap, not only for the Israelites, but every time we look at the recap in our own lives, Father, we see that you've kept us, delivered us, set us free, protected us, given us provision. You've led us. You've guided us. You've, you've provided when nothing else looked like. It, it looked like I was in the middle of a desert, Lord. You provided the water. You provided the manna. You did things, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that you'd build someone's faith tonight that someone Lord Jesus tonight who is struggling who's maybe trying to hold on too much to the things of this world God help them to destroy those idols right now and Lord to say you know what as for me and my house that maybe there's a conversation that's going to take place in some living rooms this evening some children and some parents are going to have some conversations about you know what we haven't been what God's called us to be but there's fixing to be a change in this home Jesus that that God that something would take place Lord, that a, that a priest of a home a leader of a home would say as for me and my house we will serve the Lord. Oh God, I pray let, let someone feel that and respond to that tonight in the mighty name of Jesus.